Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShot.net. Special episode. Thank you, racists. Welcome to part two of our special episode on um, called Thank You Racists. Uh, it was in reaction to uh, some racist uh, abuse I received on Twitter uh, where I talked about uh, the tweets that were sent and the reaction, the lovely reaction from my colleagues and friends, uh, but then uh, moved into thinking about uh, racism generally in our education system and how and ask the question of how racist is uh, the Irish primary school system and uh, as I was just ending the first part I suppose I asked the question really as how is it fair to say I suppose that the I- entire Irish education system is grounded in institutionalised racism so that's where we're going to move from here um, I hope you enjoy listening to the next part where I'm going to start asking more questions, giving more examples and seeing if we can come to some sort of solution. Hello, hello. You're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with part two of my episode called Thank you, racists. Um, in the last episode, we talked about the tweets that were sent to me uh, by some uh, National Party members uh, where they talked about my interesting face, uh, which uh, and uh, also that I was scum and I and all that, all that sort of stuff. Um, I looked through all the tweets and we uh, and and I came to the conclusion that they they really had no effect on me whatsoever. And actually, in reality, what really has an effect on me um, more so is um, the Irish education system, which I argue is institutionally racist towards minorities. Uh, Not something new, you've probably heard from me uh, if you've listened to this podcast before, but uh, I gave a few examples. If you haven't listened to the first episode, I'd really recommend that you do listen to it. Uh, Otherwise, you won't get most of the jokes I'm telling in this part. (laughs) Uh, But more seriously, you probably won't get the context. Um, I suppose I left uh, the last episode Uh, sort of asking, how could anyone possibly truly believe that the majority of the Irish education system is open in any way to anyone from a non-Christian background? And I suppose what I'm hoping to do is to try and convince you uh, of that. Um, I like to start these um, episodes with a story. uh, And this is a story I think I've told before uh, on the podcast. Uh, You may not have heard it. Um, And it's about, I guess, the lowest moment in my teaching career. Um, and it didn't happen in my school. It didn't happen in any school I ever taught in. And I, I, I've had some moments in my, um, I suppose, school career where I, I certainly have been treated, uh, treated um, I suppose, unfavorably uh, due to my, my background. Uh, but the lowest moment in my career really wasn't how I, in a way, how I, it wasn't really about me uh, personally. I mean, I, I can take, I, I suppose, I, I mean, it's not right that uh, personally I've been a, unfavored because of my belief but it was more the bigger picture uh why it was my um the lowest moment in my teaching career because of the message it gave not just to me but to anybody from a minority background uh it didn't happen in school as i say it, it happened at the 2016 ippn conference um it, it was i think it was 2016 and there was a re- it was a really good event uh to be honest with you i, I love the ippn conference it's 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 one of my favourite times, 
absolutely one of my favorite events of the school year and um I uh, I go every year when I can and uh, actually I, I go I go physically go to it every year so, uh, with covid it was uh, it was bought online I I, I didn't go to that uh, for because uh, as sort of a protest um in a way uh, with the one of the keynote speakers was the head of the NCSE and I didn't think it was right to give her a platform uh, to uh, on a, a, a platform especially when there was no one to uh, uh, respond to what she was going to say uh, so I decided not to go but when it's been a face-to-face conference uh, I've gone every single year and I intend to go if it remains online um, again anyway that's that aside it's a brilliant conference and if you are a principal and you haven't been to it you should really really go but in 2016 there was a, one of the really really interesting events because they always do interesting things is they invited all the political parties to come along to present their plans for education in the upcoming election at that time. I think it's called the Hustings, if I if I, I may be wrong on that, but I think it's called the Hustings. Uh, the conference room, or, or tent as it really is, had almost 1,000 principals in it. And it all started off nice and funny, uh, well, funny to me anyway, with every politician trying to outdo each other, you know, by announcing if they were the Minister for Education, they would reduce class sizes down, and they were thinking ridiculous numbers. I think they nearly got to zero uh, when they talked about class sizes. And then, the topic of the role of religion came up. Now, most of the parties stuck to the party line and they talked about the pluralism and patronage uh, model or programme and about school choice and so on. But then one of them decided to break with the mould. And she wasn't from the National Party before I start. Coincidentally, uh, if you were listening to the last part, she was from the Labour Party. And she told the story about her single-sex girls' Catholic school and how it was truly inclusive. I'm going to pause here straight away before I even start the story properly. A single-sex school being completely inclusive. Yes. You may have said this sentence yourself, by the way, if you are a principal of a single-sex school. But if you're a single-sex girls' school, how can you be inclusive? Like, what about boys? Um, They're they're not included at all. They're not allowed in. Or what about pupils that don't don't identify as either boy or girl? Oh. I'll get to the Catholic bit and the word inclusive in a while. Anyway, she told this wonderful story of how inclusive her school was. Now, I'm not going to exaggerate it in any way because I don't need to. Um, It was coming up to Christmas and because it's a Catholic school, one of the classes had to perform the nativity or had the honour of performing the nativity, depending on how you contextualise it. For those of you from a Christian background, you already know that this story, the nativity, is the basis of your religion. And what you might not realise is that outside of your faith, it's nothing more than a nice story. And as lovely as a story is, we're very happy if you don't tell us that it's a fact and that we should be part of that story. No, we don't need to be. That's your story. And it's okay. And you should have your story. But you don't need to impose it on the likes of us. So obviously, she went on to explain that because Ireland is such a diverse country now, There were three girls in the class that weren't Christian and they're so welcome and included fully in the school. In fact, 
She even went out her way to tell us what religion they were. They were Muslim. Yes, they weren't like us. They were Muslims. And obviously, the respectful thing to have done, obviously here, sorry, would be to respect their right to opt out of such a religious play. But no, no, no. No, they didn't do that. No, she did. That's no. I, I kid you not. This is what they. This is actually what happened. Because the three girls wore hijabs, the school decided to give them the parts of the three wise men in the nativity play, in the cat, in the Christian play. They gave the Muslim girls parts of the three wise men because they wore hijabs. Because you know the three wise men wear, t- you know the the the, the cloths on their heads. <laughs> yeah, that bang wasn't deliberate, but yeah, I. I Oh my gosh, that's like the sound of a heavy weight dropping there. And according to her, that's inclusion in action. So she didn't see a problem at all with the patronage system. It's very inclusive. So you're probably wondering, how is that the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my career? It didn't even happen to me at all. Well, it's, it's actually what happened next. Um, what happened next was almost the entire room of principles and the dignitaries at the front, I mean, not only applaud, wildly applauded this story of inclusion, wildly applauded the story of inclusion. It was an applause that went on for more than 30 seconds. I, it could have gone on for minutes. It was an applause not to her, but to themselves, I would imagine. And I can't remember, I can't actually remember. I, I, sometimes when I tell the story, and I, 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 I wish I remembered, but I, I'd love to see. But anyway, I, I can't remember if people gave a standing ovation. They, they might have done, but I was sat in my chair with my head down, absolutely crestfallen. I mean, what hope had I as a minority when almost nobody in the room, in this large room of over a thousand people, saw this story? Nobody saw this story for what it was. Coercive, covert, covert, indirect, structural racism in one single story and almost everyone in the room was lapping it up and celebrating it. Now, thankfully, I was sitting next to a principal who was as equally horrified as I was. And I can't believe she was the only other person in the room horrified, but the vast, vast majority in there sucked it up, applauded nicely, and probably decided to do the same with their Muslim kids months later. Now, I really, really hope this scene has been recorded by the IPPN because I'd love to look at it. I'd love to look back on it and watch it just just to examine it further, I was so shocked at the time, I suppose you don't kind of fully get everything in it. However, you look, I get it. You, you still might not be convinced. You're probably thinking I'm overreacting here. I'm biased. You know, that's just me being silly. Denominational schools are, of course, inclusive. Don't be so stupid, Simon, and stop being so sensitive, for goodness sake, is what you might be saying. My first teaching interview was in a priest's house. Um, and the very first question I was asked was whether I would uphold the Catholic ethos of the school and prepare children for the sacraments of communion or confirmation, depending on which of the two classes I would be offered. It was the only time I answered this question completely honestly. I said I'd be very, very happy to uphold the ethos. However, I don't come from a Catholic background. That was my answer. And I, was, I elaborated about and gushed about how I would support the ethos. At the time, I needed a job. Um, and I was out the door in less than five minutes. I didn't actually expect the question, to be honest with you. Anyway, but I was out the door in less than five minutes. However, how many of you, let's fast forward, 
even now, I mean, 20 years later, how many of you could honestly, I mean, hand on your heart, say you'd give me a job if I gave you that answer now? Even though I said I would uphold the ethos. And look, even if you wanted to give me the job, do you think you could give it to me? Really? Now, if you still believe, now if you really and utterly, truly still believe that you'd give me a job after me saying that I don't come from a Catholic background, but I'd be happy to uphold your ethos, I don't know if there's much more I can do for you. And to be honest, that's okay. I'm okay with that. I actually don't expect it. But please, if you are that person or those people, stop. Just stop being outraged when someone like me gets racially attacked on the internet or wherever. Yes, it might be outrageous to you to hear some asshole on Twitter telling, me, telling someone that you know. You might even call me a friend. In fact, we might even be friends. An outwardly shocking slur based on my ethnicity. And it might, hopefully, raise some acknowledgement in you that we do have an issue with racism in Ireland when someone you know has experienced racism. But it is equally, if not more important, to also start asking yourself questions about the system we all work within and how it, without a doubt, doesn't help. Whether it's because you're the child in the class who knows the real answer, your school hasn't entered the different families same love competition. Whether it's because you know your school has a policy on whether you should or shouldn't wear a hijab, but it's perfectly acceptable for the school to adorn its walls with Christian symbology. Whether it's because you are the child in the class that isn't on the wall in the corridor, the, the, the photo of, uh, on the walls of the corridor of past pupils because the photo just happens to be of the communion or confirmation and you didn't make the communion or confirmation. I could go on and I haven't even mentioned the staff. However, just look around your staff room and you'll have the answer you need. Just look at your principal. You'll have the answer you need. And I'm not saying that as a criticism. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty. It, it's, and I, I'm, I'm just saying it. it, it it's there. It's the, all the evidence is there. And whatever you say, had I have qualified two years later than I did, I would never have gotten a job in a Catholic school. The introduction of the Catholic Religious Certificate effectively put an unstoppable barrier in my way. Yes, technically I could have done the Catholic's Religious Certificate, but why would I? Why should I? Why, why would I spend over a thousand euro, euro to study a list of things that blatantly go against my beliefs and then not only have to learn them, then promise to pass these on to vulnerable children to simply keep a structurally racist system going? And before you say that this is a Catholic country, or before you say that we simply need more choice, we need more choice, that's all the problem is, just remember that education is not a supermarket. It's a public service. We don't need choice. We need schools that offer education to everyone. There is no other public service job, never mind public service job, there's no other job other than a clergyman where I would be expected to study any religious dogma or any religious doctrine in order to get a job. But that's what you're asking me and people like me to do. You're, you're, you're not asking, you're saying if you don't do it, don't expect to work in my school. And then, not only that, but I do it, then I have to agree to become a missionary for that doctrine before, we can even, before I can even work in the school. And just on that, just on the whole thing of, oh, we need more choice, that's exactly what we don't need. And let me tell you why we don't need choice in education. I simply 
can't understand why people think it's a good idea to have schools catering to particular faith groups. It's like insisting there's a dentist in every village that only works for a particular faith groups. So here's the Jewish dentist, here's the Muslim dentist, here's the Rastafarian dentist, except as ludicrous as that sounds, having schools that cater for different faiths, like having a Jewish school, having a Muslim school, having a Catholic school, having a Rastafarian, it's not actually only ludicrous, it's potentially dangerous. What kind of society do we expect to get when we grow up in our estates together and the children play together in these estates, but every morning from Monday to Friday, children are told to go to different schools depending on the faith that their family believe in? Like, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, let's even on a practical level, what do you think is going to happen? The poor Rastafarian kid in your estate, is he going to go to, to, to just school with him in it? You know, <laughs> like it's impossible to have a school for every religion in the village. But, you know, people don't think about this because they still have this unconscious bias because they prob- the people that made this stupid uh, pluralism plan uh, come, probably come from a Christian background and their own unconscious bias thinks that the country is still made up of 95% Catholics, 5% Protestants and then everyone else. You know, to change my joke a little from the earlier. In fact, we know that their plan was to create a system which was a school for Catholics, a school for Protestants and a school for Muslims and then a school for everyone else because that was the original model for the community national schools. They were all going to have them in the same building and then the children would be segregated um, according to religion. Well, only three religions and then everybody else. But anyway, thankfully, the community national schools have moved away from segregating children on religious lines since 2019. Anyway, because when you segregate children along religious lines, they begin to believe what they're taught in religion. And what they're taught in religion isn't actually what you think they're being taught, which is all just be nice to each other. No, it's what their faith uh, is, that their faith, that they believe that the faith that they're in is of a chosen people, that this is the chosen faith of their community. This is the most important community. We are nice to everyone else, but our faith is the true faith. We are the chosen people, as it were, to borrow a phrase from my own background. And everyone else might be lovely and everything, but they're not the same as us, the true religion. And what does not being part of that right religion do? Well, let's refer back to my playground game of Jews versus Arab for a start. I'm not saying that happens these days. But what is the root of it all? I know we were never explicitly taught in school to hate anyone. I know that. You know that. I mean, gosh, I mean, that's a a shocking thing for me to say. We're not explicitly taught in school to hate anyone. In fact, the opposite is said. But when we segregate anybody, when we segregate children particularly, we make them aliens to each other. And that can build up into resentment, particularly if one group appears to be doing better than the other group even if the facts might not be true. And these facts might be as innocent as puberty is a gift from God, from Flourish. Or it cannot be omitted that marriage is between a man and a woman. Or it can go on to, we need to stop immigration because foreigners are stealing our jobs and our houses. Or we have to stop Muslims celebrating Eid in Croke Park because it's the first step to Sharia law in Ireland. You know? I I think you get the picture. So I don't know what more I can do, but if by now you get it, I'm going to answer your question. What can you do to help? Step one. I'm going to give you some steps. Step one. Please stop saying you are an inclusive school. I understand people want to say it because it sounds better than the reality, which is we are a tolerant school, which is actually accurate. 
Denominational schools are tolerant of different faiths and they show this by tolerating them in school by giving them alternatives to what the majority do. For example, children being put to the back of the class during faith formation. That's not inclusion, that's tolerance. For example, allowing the non-Catholic teacher swap with the Catholic teacher for faith formation class time. They're not inclusive practices. So please, please stop saying it. It's just not true and it is called indirect covert racism. Yes. Step two, stop asking teachers in interviews if they will uphold the religious ethos of the school and stop insisting they produce a religious certificate. I understand this is an impossible ask of you, but when you ask it, what you're really asking is, are you one of us? Or, that name isn't quite normal, where are you really from? And yes, that is what is really being asked. Because if the answer to the question of whether you'll uphold the religious ethos isn't yes, that job is not going to be yours. Indirect, covert, racism. Step three, in your admissions policy, please remove the line, such and such national school is a Catholic school and may refuse to admit as a student a person who is not of Catholic denomination where it is proved that the refusal is essential to maintain the ethos of the school. Just check your policy, check your admissions policy, pit pause and check your admissions policy. It's there in black and white. In your, admissions, uh, in, your, in your admissions policy, your, your, your enrollment policy, if you haven't updated uh, the, 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 uh, the language. How can a five-year-old or even a 12-year-old be a threat to the ethos of a school? And how would it be measured or decided upon? There is no other reason to have this line in that policy except to warn off people of other faiths that might read into it in a particular way. For example, would an atheist who might not wish their child to buy into the faith formation in the school feel they're welcome reading that their beliefs are a threat to their ethos, which they are, of course, in a way? Would a child that might wear a different religion's clothing feel uncomfortable in case it caused offence to the ethos? Yeah, indirect, covert racism. Step four, and sticking with the admissions, uh, admissions bill or the admissions act or the, your admissions enrollment policy or whatever, it states that denominational schools must clearly outline how children who are opted out will be accommodated in the school. That was the, the Ad Ad Admissions Act. You, if you're a denominational school, you have to clearly outline how children who are opted out are accommodated. Now, the Catholic patron bodies instructed all boards and managements to ignore the uh, direction of be clearly outlining. In fact, what they found was a loophole because what they did uh, was they compounded the problem for minority and non-faith parents. Instead of actually being clear, uh, being honest, being honest, I mean, just asking someone to be honest, instead of being honest, what they did was almost all Catholic primary schools ask parents to organise a meeting in writing with the school principal to discuss opting out arrangements. This is intentionally obstructive and intimidating to minorities. And yes, it is indirect covert racism. Step five, please become a proper ally. While it has been lovely receiving message of support and the anger against the two professors on Twitter, the twits, has been genuine. What next? I'm delighted it was lovely, but it's gone now. You've probably forgotten about it. But what next? I get hundreds of private messages every year from people telling me that they agree. These are teachers in denominational schools. They agree when I do a, a podcast about church-state separation, that they agree church and state should be separated because at the end of the day, you know, it is a structure that's indirectly and covertly present, preventing diversity in the profession. 
ultimately it is the reason why there isn't diversity in the profession. And in a way, it would be accurate to call it institutionalised racism. And yes, I know the Irish language doesn't help, but it is not the main reason, and it's also not racist to expect people to speak Irish in Ireland, where it's your national language. And it's much more possible. And also, I am critical of the level of Irish, by the way. It's for a different episode. I'm talking about racism here, but insisting on Irish language is not racist. Um, I, 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 I suppose we could discuss that. There's a philosophical point in there, which I'm not going to go into right now. Uh, but certainly, um, it, 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 you know, I suppose anyone can learn Irish, um, there, there are there are disadvantages to it. There should be, uh, it, but I suppose at the end of the day, is it racist? Is the is the is the question that one has to answer? And I would I would suggest that insisting on having a level of Irish language is not racist, but insisting someone uh, as of a particular religion to teach in a school or to be in a school is racist um, by definition, human rights definitions. Anyway, the thing is, when push comes to shove, publicly, um, you know, I see. The very, very same lovely people who are privately saying the church and state should be separated, um, in another, in other, in other contexts, publicly and openly defending the system, and although that's rare, to be honest, what most people do is nothing. They might shrug their shoulders because what can they do really? And I get why people do that. When it doesn't affect you, why would you bother? You know, why would you bother? You, you can work anywhere. <laughs> Who cares about a, you know, I mean, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I, I'm the same in lots of ways. I don't go, you know, protesting everything, every, every injustice. I, I just don't, I wouldn't have the time to do it, um, you know? Um, so why would, why, why would I expect that of you? But maybe if some of you did, it would be great. However, I d- because I do remember the people who, who have done it. Um, genuinely, I do. Um, and the reason I know it, because... There were two of them. Uh, one was the principal that sat beside me at the IPPN conference when I, I you know, the hustings I mentioned earlier, um, an absolute ally, um, and I do appreciate her very, very much. And another was someone who probably doesn't even know they did it, but I'd remember. Uh, it was a former IPPN president, actually, um, of all people, um, and he spoke up when two civil servants um, at a meeting called me disrespectful because I put my hand up when they were talking about the divestment um, plans. And I questioned the, the patronage program explaining how it was discriminatory to minorities, which, which it is. And I'm actually, I'm f- forever grateful to him, even though he probably doesn't remember doing it. Um, and more likely he doesn't listen to the podcast anyway. So even if he does remember it, he doesn't listen to the podcast, so he won't know. <laughs> um, I did thank him actually after he did it. And I think he was kind of puzzled by why I was thanking him anyway. There's so many of you out there that believe the same thing. That's the thing. That's the, the thing is, I know you're you're all out there because I've seen it. And if you could just commit to doing one brave thing, it would mean the world to me. Whether and not just to me, it would mean the world to the, to the children that you're you're teaching, the ones that might want to become a teacher in the future, but from a very early age realize that that's not an avenue that's open to them. And whether that's to question the wording in your admissions policy and changing it to be clear to people who need to opt out of faith formation because they can't go to another type of school because they don't exist. There are still seven counties in Ireland that do not have a non-church-based school. Whether that's specifically stating that you'll accommodate any staff that don't want to provide faith formation 
or perhaps ensure that faith formation only happens at the end of a school day at the very least. I mean, I, I don't even think this, it's, it's good enough to be honest with you, but it, 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 you take it if it was something. Why have it in the middle of the day like 80% of schools do? Whether you commit to entering competitions uh, like different families, same love, which will give confidence to your colleagues that they're also okay to do the same thing. Whether it's something big, like asking your board to consider divesting um, your school in order to be truly inclusive. Well, no school is truly inclusive, but to be more inclusive to people of all faiths and none. And if all that sounds too scary, why not do something small, write to your union asking for a group to protect minority teachers. It doesn't exist. We have and the LGBT plus group and it's what that has done in its 10 or so in its, and in fact in its, I think it's, it's about 15 years old what it's done in that space of time is incredible who ever who would have thought a, a Catholic primary school would be accepting a pride flag from the president of the INTO in 2021 even two years ago you know this is the thing when you start these small groups what can happen look overt racism is scary you know, you've seen it. It's hostile. It's public. And it's undeniable. However, indirect, covert, structural, institutionalised racism is something that's almost invisible. And it's something that minorities in teaching, primary school teaching, have to face every single day of their career. And yet, despite the fact that the role of religion in schools has been a hot topic for well over a decade now, no one seems to have given a single thought to ask the people who live through it what they might be able to do to help. On Friday the 9th of July 2021, after nearly 20 years of teaching, that was the first time I was ever asked what could be done to help. So I hope you can forgive me that I have a lot to say about it. And it isn't just me. There's a few of us out there, you know, You'll find us, you'll find most of us anyway, outside the denominational sector, because we have to. However, we are easy to find. We're very easy to find, because we're the ones with the interesting faces. So that's it. Um, thanks so much for listening, if you got through uh, these two episodes, uh, these, these two parts of the episode. Um, I hope it gives you, if nothing else, a little food for thought. Um, possibly the closest to my bone episode I've done and um, so uh, forgive me if I came across uh, quite I suppose over passionate uh, it is an area I am very passionate about um, however I suppose I should, when I say sorry I mean I'm not sorry <laughs> because you know it's something I, I, I don't talk about these things for no reason I never I, I suppose I never get a chance to try and explain what it is like uh, for someone as a minority working in the primary education system. Um, so I do hope uh, you, you kind of, I suppose, took a few things. You probably probably don't agree with much of what I've said. Um, and that's okay. I, I absolutely accept that. I have to accept it because that's the reality I live in. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I suppose if you are outraged by racist tweets or racism in, generally, in general, you know, I hope I've given you a little bit of a flavour of, of where it might come from a little bit. Not all of it, obviously. We, we don't have that much of an influence. So, look, uh, thanks so much for listening. Um, 
uh, we're in the summer holidays. I'm recording this. I I'll try and do a few episodes of the the podcast, normal episodes of podcasts throughout the summer. Uh, for those of you, we're we're in the middle of a heat wave as I'm recording this, so people might be going out walking and might want to listen to me droning on about something to do with the education system uh, rather than uplifting music or something like that, which you should be listening to. But anyway, listen, I'll leave it at that. Thanks so much for listening. All the best. Bye bye. <laughs>